Take this money and buy yourself some clothes and paint. And welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast, episode number 200, where we are climbing the rungs of cinematic connections. Each week, we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. I'm Zach Brooks, and yes, for the milestone, 200th time, I'm joined by... Brandon Fitzpatrick, come and get your fudge. It's our 200th episode. There we go. Yeah, it's like Christmas around here, or Halloween, either one. (laughs) Or Halloween. Happy Halloween, Zach. Literally happy Halloween, yes. Um, How is your Halloween going? Uh, pretty good so far. Uh, still recovering from your brother's wedding this weekend, so mm. I dressed up as Ferris Bueller when I got up this morning. I <laughs> stayed in my pajamas and put on my bathroom when I, when I started work. Get out of here. <laughs> Get over. out of here. It's over. Yeah. Go home. <laughs> uh, well, last week we talked about There Will Be Blood, and this week due to a, uh, monster and religious, like a monstrous person and religious connection, I guess. I don't Religion know. Religion and greed, yeah. Yeah, religion and greed. Religion and greed. I like that connection. Um, we will be discussing the 1955 film, The Night of the Hunter, uh, the only movie directed by Charles Lawton. Starring Robert starring Mitchum Paul. as the yep. titular Reverend William Powell. The titular hunter. The titular hunter, yes. The yeah. titular role. Yes, uh, I guess. Uh, yes, and then at the end of the episode, we'll sign our next movie as we kick off the next 100 episodes. Based on suggestions sent in by you, the listeners, and ones that we brought as your hosts. Uh, so we will be spoiling The Night of the Hunter. It's on Hoopla, among other places. Yep. Uh, where'd you watch it, Brendan? Uh, so I did a uh, free trial, seven days of MGM Plus on nice. through the Roku channel. So nice. I just have to remember to cancel that in seven days. But, you know, we'll see. So yeah, but it was good. Yeah, I was a little worried when it started because there was an ad right before it started. And I was like, oh, my God, if this is still with ads. I'm going to be so annoyed. But, yeah, it was not with ads after the first. It did the Hulu thing where there was, like, the big ad at the beginning. And then the whole movie was ad-free. So that was There you go. Nice. There's a PSA for everybody. All right. Uh, Yes. Uh, But if you want to just skip ahead here, we're going to be watching for episode 201. You can do that, of course. The timestamp is in the description of this podcast. But we always recommend that you pause the podcast, go watch the movie, come back, listen to the discussion. And then... As always, submit your feedback, ratings, questions, comments, ladder movie on Twitter and Instagram, the movie ladder at gmail.com and the movie ladder on Letterboxd. Uh, Brendan, do you remember what we did for episode number 100? Uh, I looked at it recently on Letterboxd, but now I don't remember. It's completely It is a movie that you have talked about already in this podcast. In this podcast? Yes, you've already mentioned this movie. I already mentioned it? Oh, no. You did. Well, now Ferris I'm Bueller's Day Off. Oh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was our hundred. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, a big one for number 100. I like yeah, it. Yeah, we did pick a big one. We did do bigger for that. That was uh, November 30th, 2021 was when we did that one. Nice. Uh, or at least that's when the doc was last edited. I don't know if maybe it changes <laughs> some fun. So, uh, yes, every two years we hit 100 of some sort. That is how 52 movies in 52 weeks That is works. how 52 movies in 52 weeks works. Well, another milestone next year. Um, Zach, before we get into what we've been watching, we have some unfinished business. Uh, oh. 
Yeah, uh, you and I have unfinished business. Uh, so as some of our listeners may have seen on Twitter slash X, uh, I redid the poll that you did from two weeks ago mm, about yeah. movies that Fly. we podcasted about uh, from 2007. Because now that we finished uh, There Will Be Blood, I wanted to know from the listeners which they prefer. And so I threw in three of the top rated movies from 2007 that we have covered on this podcast. And after 37 votes, I really uh, was was hoping we'd get more of a 37. Hey, votes. you know, you blew my voter response out of the water. So there you go. There you go. Uh, 37 votes. Uh, so the three films were Into the Wild, No Country for Old Men, and There Will Be Blood listed in order of our podcast episode discussions. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming in third, but a nice showing with 24.3% into the wild. Uh-huh. So that's not too bad. I'm okay. very happy with that result. Coming in second with 32.4% of the vote, there will be blood. Mm-hmm. And the winner people of the poll. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, people are right. Thank you, everyone, for putting your support behind No Country for Old Men at 43.2%. So there we go. Haven't you said I, Into the Wild is your favorite of 2007, though? I have said Into the Wild yeah. is my so, favorite okay. of 2007. Also, so why did you skip over episode 192 when you did this poll? Uh, well, let's skip over Ratatouille because I, cause it, cause I was only doing like the people's favorite films of 2007. Oh, really? Because if you go to Letterboxd and you go to 2007, the number one film of 2007, according to Letterboxd, is Ratatouille. I'm not sure about that. But okay. Well, the, sorry. Apologies to shut up, Tim, for the Ratatouille erasure. Okay. And why um, didn't you? Uh, why didn't you put once on that list? I'm just that, kidding. Shit. Can, but we that, have done a lot of 2007 Twitter, films. So. Twitter polls are flawed and only give you a few options. So True. there you go. All right. Okay. Um, yes, I also have some unfinished business, Brenda. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh, not with you, just with with myself, really. Um, <laughs> so I was listening to the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, uh, Blake yes. Check podcast on my drive back from the wedding this uh, yesterday, and they were talking about the theme. And the theme of of Curious Case Benjamin Button about like the inevitability of death would have been a very good connection to No Country for Old Men when we talked about it a for couple sure. weeks ago. Yep. And so I wish I would have brought that up. I wish we had to. Um, yeah, I thought that they had a really great discussion on Benjamin Button over there on the uh, the Mike Check Pod. They always do a great job. So. Yeah, they do. They put us to shame. All right. Well, that's all of our unfinished business and uh, shamefulness. And uh, what's the best thing you watched this week, Brendan? Uh, so I want to talk about a new film that is currently streaming on Showtime slash Paramount Plus. Uh, the final film directed by William Friedkin, mm. the final film starring the great Lance Reddick, oh. uh, The Kane Mutiny Court Martial, which is a remake of a 1950s Humphrey Bogart feature. Um, this film was really, really solid, a really great Hot boiler courtroom drama starring Kiefer Sutherland as uh, Captain Quig and Jake Lacey from uh, The White Lotus as his mm-hmm. uh, mutinous first mate slash uh, second in command. Um, I thought that this was like a really, really good courtroom drama. I love a good courtroom drama. This was only 109 minutes. Uh, the entire film, aside from a couple of minutes, takes place entirely in the courtroom. You never flash back to the events as they happened on the boat, which I thought was a really interesting choice. So it leaves a lot of interpretation of exactly what went down 
on this mutiny to the audience and mm-hmm. to the audience acting as the jury. And I thought that that was a really interesting choice. Um, Jason Clark, also who people may have seen earlier this year as the asshole lawyer in Oppenheimer, gets to play the heroic defense attorney in King Mutiny Court Martial. And it was really nice to see Jason Clark like playing a good guy for once. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like a really nice change of pace. I thought he did a really fantastic job. Um, it was probably my favorite performance in the movie. But um, yeah, highly recommend people check it out. It's one of two new streaming courtroom procedural movies that are uh, on streaming right now. The other one being The Burial, starring uh, Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones on uh, Amazon Prime, which I also checked out last week, but did not think was as good as King Beauty. So there you go. At first, when you were bringing that up, I thought you were talking about Mutiny on the Bounty, which nope. stars the director of today's movie. Correct. Oh, Charles Lundin, Char- yeah. Charles That's Lundin. why I decided to make it my best thing I watched this week, but yeah. Oh. Because, because of mutinies, because of of the mutinies. Co- mutinies yeah. Mutiny connections. connections. Yep. Nice. Lots of, lots of letters. Uh, yeah, I didn't watch a ton of movies because, as you mentioned, uh, yeah. uh, wedding stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I do have, a, I have more of like less of this being the best thing I watched this week, although I think it probably is the best thing I watched um, and more of it being the best story of watching a movie from this week. Interesting. Um, okay. So we are in the spooky season trying to watch some horror movies. So for a uh, library ladder challenge, I had to watch one of the top 250 horror movies on Letterboxd, I think was what mm-hmm. we're, what the category was. And so I watched a movie that you brought up a couple weeks ago that Megan the Librarian recently watched as well. That's The Innocents yes. uh, from 1961, a haunted house feature. And this movie, um, I watched this late at night. I was in my hotel room. And I don't stay in hotels that often, so I'm just kind of not used to uh, how thin the walls might be for hotels. Well, it was like about one o'clock in the morning. I'm watching the movie, and this movie features a little girl who screams bloody murder at the top uh-huh. of her lungs throughout most of the second half of this movie. Yep. And as I'm watching it, um, I had it down like kind of, you know, I had the volume down to like a, what I thought was a reasonable amount. I'm watching it. It's a pretty creepy movie. It kind of has you on the edge of your seat, right? And she's yep. screaming, yep. and I'm like, you know, I'm kind of into the movie. We're, we're getting towards the end of the movie. And all of a sudden, the phone in my hotel room rings at one o'clock in the morning, and it was the front desk calling me to say, uh, your neighbors just asked us if you could turn down the volume because it's very loud on your TV. Incredible. Um, so <laughs> then I ended up turning the volume way down and watching it with captions for the rest there of the night go. because um, I then was all freaked out. Actually, there was a similar scene in Bo is Afraid. So it was like yeah. back to my last week's movie. Um, there's a similar scene about a neighbor complaining about noise. And Bill was afraid, and I felt that same amount of anxiety from that movie. So that's really, um, really funny. <laughs> but yeah, like they're in this movie for being a you know an older because I feel like older movies like the creepiness often yep. it's just you you lose something and kind of the and we'll talk about that like uh, it loses some of it in like the less cinematic nature, less realistic nature that you get right. in these older movies. I feel like, um, but The Innocents had such good jump scares where there are like yep. faces that show up in windows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really just like it really creeps you out. Um, yeah, I mean, to, not to, you know, jump ahead, but there's a lot of like similar use of like shadow and light and can- especially candlelight mm-hmm. in The Innocents that, you know, connect would have been a decent connection to uh, this week's to this week's movie, mm-hmm. actually. True. Um, yeah. But yeah, I really, really loved uh, The Innocents as well, and especially yeah. the way it was uh, the way it was filmed. Yeah. Good recommendation. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's, still haven't gotten you to watch audition yet, but uh, and so I just ran out of time. I, honestly, I was going to try to get it 
to it yesterday and I mm-hmm. drove eight and a half hours and then the Lions were on Monday Night Football. So I just didn't have a chance to watch it yesterday. And I already have my Halloween watches lined up for tonight, I think. Yeah. Although one of them, I will say, is on my list for suggestions for next week. So if we end up doing it next week, then I will uh, not be doing it. So just to tease that out a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it is not yet night here. It is the sun it's is starting right. to go down. It probably will be night by the time that we're done recording. But yeah. shall we talk about Night of the Hunter? Uh, the Evening of the Hunter, yes. yes uh, 1955, directed by Charles Lawton, is one and only film mm-hmm. that he ever directed. And, uh, you know, this is a movie that was not appreciated in its time. Um, In fact, some of Charles Lawton's friends, after they screened the movie, said, sorry, buddy, you made a bad movie. Um, and yeah. he pretty much, uh, you know, stopped. He never directed again. Mm-hmm. And he just kept went back to acting and was like, oh, well, I tried that womp womp, you know. And so it's like, but this movie got a reconsideration and reappreciation, you know, a decade or so later when it started being filmed, uh, screened at like independent movie houses mm-hmm. on, you know, around Halloween. And so, I mean, I think that that is something that is that has been like more of a really cool modern thing when films that are sort of lost to the decade that they were released get reappraised in a later decade and reappreciated. You know what I mean? It is is nice mm -hmm. when that happens. It's nice um, when cinema is preserved, when historic cinema is Mm. preserved. I do feel like as we continue to move away from uh, physical media and to everything being on some sort of streaming server that can just be removed at any time, Mm -hmm. um, that you can lose that. Cine- that history of cinema and i'm sure we already have lost a lot um sure. and i think that we will continue to so it is good that that this movie was able to be reappreciated at the time or uh you know a decade or so after um so you'd seen it before i'd never seen it this was suggested uh had been suggested twice by alex o um yeah. once after big night he said another big night in night of the hunter and then last week he suggested it um and he said he recently did a doubleheader with this movie and killers of the flower moon that was a heavy movie day yeah, and, very heavy. Uh, his suggestion for this was another film that deals with themes of religion. It's misuse, greed, early 20th century. Mm-hmm. So uh, good job, Alex O, on this suggestion. I also, um, as I was researching, Brennan, did you know that this movie showed up on the recently released Sight and Sound list that came out last year, the updated, the 2022? Did right? it? I did not know. I did not realize at, that. At number that's 26 crazy. on that list. Wow. Very high up on that that's list. A, that's a heck of a reappraisal. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm just going to double check that because that's what I wrote down, but it feels very high. Uh so as I started watching this movie, I had very high expectations. Like it is almost across the board, four and a half to five stars mm. by everybody that I follow on Letterbox for the yep. most part. It's um, a four point three average on Letterbox, which is right there mm-hmm. in the sweet spot. Between yeah, and the, you know, like the whole film spotting yeah. team gave it five stars. Sunny yep. Bunch gave it five stars. All in five stars. You four and a half. I mean, these are previous reviews. We'll see my brother four yeah, and yeah. a half. So um, I have very high expectations for this, and I gotta say, it was a little. I like. I liked it, but I was a little underwhelmed watching this interesting okay um i think it visually i really like what it does Mm. i think it has some super interesting themes that i'm excited to talk about and like motifs of animals throughout the movie that i like i clued into like lots of like really interesting techniques and uses i just thought the story i just kept getting like was not that into the story and i kept being like well why is this like why is nobody stopping this guy like why is everybody just buying into this like they and then um, I just, I don't know. I just like something about it just yeah. did not connect for me. 
from a story perspective, but I think okay. from a filmmaking perspective, it's very good. Yeah, it's an absolutely gorgeous film, especially, you know, we talked about the shadow and the light, Um, especially like when, you know, Powell is riding along, you know, at night on horseback past the barn where little John is staring out and he mm-hmm. just sees him come across the horizon. And it's like, and the I think the other thing that a lot of people, you know, you know, give or take or leave are the, you know, sound choices and the song choices. And, you know, I think that, you know, leaning, lean, the way that leaning against the everlasting arms is used in this movie is so creepy and so effective to set the mood and the tone because it's supposed to be a, like, comforting song. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, used in Christianity. It's a church song. And so the way it's used in this film to provide the utmost discomfort is so interesting to me. And Mm. gives leads into the fact that basically, like, you know, Powell is this devil in sheep's clothing. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing, as the narration tells us. Yes, beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. I wrote that down as my number one connection back to There Will Be Blood because we talked a lot about how Daniel Plainview is this kind of like predatory animal. Exactly. So I think the, the references to animals, the imagery of animals throughout, like I really clued into that. I like that a lot. Yeah, and we talked about, like, how, you know, one of the main things that, that Daniel does to Eli at the end of that movie is make him say, I am a false prophet. Mm. And so that was, you know, that's what I have written down. This little title connection is, I am a false prophet. Mm-hmm. Because Owl is literally a false prophet, who where he's claiming to be this virtuous priest, but what he really is is a con man who is traveling the country, killing widows and marrying them for their money. And so mm-hmm. that's we find out at the end of the film that he's done this 26 times. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is, and I, so and I yeah. clued a lot. I uh, watching this immediately. I wrote down Cape Fear, the Scorsese yep. version of Cape Fear. Although there is, I don't know if the original version is similar, but the, yep. this character Star reminds Robert Mitchum too. Yeah, exactly. Robert Mitchum's in that, um, which has mm-hmm. got to be an intentional casting and right. by Scorsese, and and I think he's in both. Well, he's in versions. the original, is what I mean. Yeah, he's the con man. He's the con. He's the ex-convict in the original. That's right. And for, it's been a long time since I've seen Cape Fear. Um, mm. And but I was trying to remember, like I think De Niro's character has a bunch of like significant tattoos or just he like does. really like tattoos yep. that show up. So it it really felt like Cape Fear is. And from what I remember about it, a uh, guy gets out of prison in Cape Fear and goes after um, yeah, this couple. Begins or this stalking, yeah, begins stalking yeah. the attorney and put it in prison. Yeah. Yep. So Cape Fear really feels like some like it was a remake of this or came from the same sure. source material or is inspired by this. So I, I definitely clued into that. And, you know, I bring that up because I think Cape Fear is on almost everybody's list for suggestions yeah. for next yeah. week. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely wanted to, to mention that. And I think like, I like where this movie like I, I like the elements of this movie it's just like it's it's like a stew that has really good ingredients and i just don't think mm-hmm. it, it all bl- meshes that well for me at least on this first watch um you know no country for a man took me two watches to really kind of appreciate what it's doing i could definitely see mm-hmm. this being a a movie that i revisit at some point um and and you know if there's if there's some reason if maybe another podcast covered it or if i was feeling in the mood i would definitely i would definitely check this movie out again yeah. To see if there were things that I pick up on the second watch. I just, 
don't know, something, again, something just didn't connect. Yeah, me, but, there was um, a lot of um, points in this movie where I was hoping, where I had forgotten, oh, this scene is like 30 to 90 seconds too long. Like, why is this here? Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a movie that I, you know, gave, as you said earlier, I gave four and a half stars to on my, you know, first viewing of this film when I watched mm-hmm. it for film spotting a couple of years ago. Um, it's not as terrifying or and i think maybe because i knew exactly what was going to happen this time Mm. it was not as tense and intense as i remembered it being it was actually like a little more frustrating at points about like how slow it was moving oh interesting for me like i Mm -hmm. so i think i enjoyed it less on this rewatch which is interesting than I did the first time. Um, but I so, still think that the performances are really, really good. Um, and it's got, yeah, but I, I, I don't think you can imbue, impugn the, uh, the cinematography or the directing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think, I think the way that it's made is, is really strong. Now you watched it on your, uh, personal movie ladder. What mm-hmm. did you connect from and to, do you remember? Do I recall? Uh, I have it in front of me if you don't remember. Okay, yeah, no, hit me. What was right. it? You connected from the girl with the dragon tattoo. Okay, that makes sense. Which Serial I'll be watching movie. soon yep. for blank check. Um, I guess okay. I'm assuming tattoo was the connection. Serial, I think I probably put serial killer. Okay. But, um, yeah. And then you connected to El Dorado. Oh, because of the horror guy. Mitchum. Oh, yeah, yeah, because of Mitchum. Yep. There you go. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think, here. like, this movie was... Um, was tense and but i just didn't feel like it was scary at all like i know that we picked this mm. and we said, oh, this would be a really good one to do for halloween this didn't feel like a halloween movie to me really it just there's a couple like a crime of movie yeah i mean there's a really a couple of really cool how like horror movie style shots like mm-hmm. when mitchum is trying to chase the children yes. upstairs in the basement and he slips and he does like the we talked about last week how like daniel had this like monstrous pose mm-hmm. mitchum does like a similar like creepy nosferatu type reach out towards the children upstairs in mm-hmm. shadow that like reminded me a lot of that that i thought was like really really cool um the way that's visualized and then yeah i mean him like riding I think on also, horseback um, yeah. on mm-hmm. that point also is when he's when they get in the, when the two kids get in the boat and yeah. they're trying to escape him and they're rowing away. And yeah. he like walks into the marsh and he looks like a Frankenstein's monster yeah, exactly. or a swamp thing. Yeah. Like one of the I guess swamp things aren't really a classic. And like, he screams monster. like Frankenstein. He does yeah. go like ah definitely reminds me of like a universe or like a mummy, like a universal yeah. wolfman, like a universal black and white universal monster movie. Um definitely mm-hmm. got those vibes. And I think you know, we've talked a lot about how beautiful this movie was. I, my favorite shot was the bedroom like that angled bedroom oh, yeah. that he's in when he's over um he's over willa's body after he yeah. kills her and yeah. uh in like the scene where he's a bad killer and you see like the angled ceiling and the way the shadows oh, are so coming beautiful. in in their bed like that yeah. looks really really good and i was like oh like i i appreciate what this is doing visually um so much at that point so yeah there's those are some good visual touches but yeah i just didn't feel a movie called the night of the hunter like what i we should have done like you should have asked me what I thought this movie was going to be about before we watched it because it's just have, not yeah. what I was expecting at all. I thought it was going to be more like he was going to be more of a monster. Um, I mean, I guess it's not that different than yeah. what it was, but it was going to be more of the like him stalking this family yeah. and being a monster of this family than like the that's really only the first half of the movie. 
Yeah. And then we I get mean, kids on the run in the second half. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of movies that, you know, may or may not come up in connections that and that play on this same theme or this same plot outline, you know, that, that have used this same idea where somebody, a stranger with nefarious intentions, interlopes themselves into a family's dynamic and then slowly reveals themselves to be a psychotic killer, mm-hmm. you know, and that is a trope as old as time. You know, it's, it even, like, predates this movie, but this movie is one of the main touch points for the ones that'll come later. Um, but, you know, I think about, like, the Mark Wahlberg movie Fear, which was... was Ooh, was, yeah, that's a, that's a good connection. Or this, yeah. the stepfather with Tom Bear. I think mm. it's Tom Berger is the stepfather, where he, like, keeps marrying widows. Like... Mm. That's a good yeah. one. That's, that's on so my it, list to, uh, to my watch list, not necessarily my list. So it's like, yeah, they're like, this is also like a trope that is used uh, throughout like TV shows as well, where you'll get like the procedural where, you know, at the end of the procedural, it's revealed that, you know, the killer is this boyfriend that everybody thought was the nicest guy, but he actually was only in their relationship for the money and killed whoever the victim was at the beginning of the episode. It's a, <laughs> it's a you know, time-worn law and order, cold case, without a trace, all those things. Yeah, like, and I think, too, you know. one of the things that I asked you about, because I was trying to think of mm-hmm. movies to add to my list for next week, and I feel like there are so many movies where there's a character who's in prison that mm-hmm. is, like, telling his cellmate about, this is where I buried the treasure, and, right. like, when we get out of here, we're going to break out of here, we're, we're going to break go back out to my here. treasure. And I was trying to think of, like, I know that has happened in so many movies, and I hope some of our listeners have some movies, like, like that on their list because yeah i think that there's a that's a really good way to go like the stuff in jail is pretty quick in this movie it's just a yeah. couple minutes in the beginning but i yeah. do think like there's this whole idea of like breaking out of jail and then trying to retrieve either your treasure or somebody else's treasure um yeah. that is that is definitely a trap a trope in other movies For sure. and i just couldn't think of very and i can think of yeah. movies with it's the happened in westerns main, but, but yeah like it's yeah i mean there's one movie that i do remember but and i think most people have seen it I didn't put it on my list because I feel like the idea of the treasure at the end of the movie might be like a surprise in that mm. movie. And so I couldn't remember if it was a spoiler or not. And even though it's a pretty well seen movie, I didn't want to go with uh, that. Yeah. Um, like, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, like, plays with that a little. Mm, yeah. With, like, the whole we have to seek the treasure thing. It's the Odyssey. Yeah. Well, and I think this, I mean, I think that's a really good connection just to Coen Brothers in general. The, like, mm-hmm. Uh, the MacGuffin of a bag of money or hidden, yeah. you know, I mean, No Country for Men, obviously. Like, this movie. Obviously, yeah. Feels it would have been a very good connection off of No Country for Old Men because we have this this murderous evil killer who is trying to hunt down this money. Um, Only ten thousand dollars in this. Has a signature. Has a signature weapon. He has his like switchblade knife. Mm, Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's kind of and I do feel like there's something mechanically similar between the switchblade knife and the the cow. And the the cow cow prod. Yeah, yeah. Um, The cow shooter, whatever the hell that thing was called. and that he's just like he's just like an unstoppable menace that's chasing mm-hmm. these people who kind of lucked into this treasure of money. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the and the whole thing that the interesting thing is the whole thing that ties, you know, the 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 MacGuffin to the children is so the dad was this bank robber. The 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 father of this family goes to jail because he killed two people and robbed and and robbed them for $10,000 mm-hmm. and he hides the money 
in his daughter's doll because it's the closest thing that he can get to to hide the money at the time that the police catch him. And the whole thing about it is that the whole thing that that propels the tension in this movie is William Powell doesn't know where the money is. He just knows that the money is there. And Mm. so he's spending the first 45 minutes of the movie integrating himself into this family and trying to figure out where the money is. And because the father of the of these two kids, John and uh, Pearl, he basically said, you you have to promise never to tell where the money is. You have mm-hmm. to promise. And a promise is like such a like vital thing to this movie. The idea of like keeping your promises and mm. like not basically not sinning against your father by telling anyone where the money is mm-hmm. because like betraying your dad would be like a, you know, honor thy father and thy mother is like such a crucial Christian commandment. And so they can't. And that's like one of the thing, ways that religion plays so heavily into this film. And like, so John is the one because he's the older one is the one constantly trying to live up to his, the promise he made his father and yeah. not tell where the money is. Uh, what do you think $10,000 is worth today? $10,000 in 1955. Uh, $150,000. Ooh, close. Actually, $115,000. Well, hey, I said I thought you said fifth. Oh, okay. I did. I'm just that, that's a good trick. <laughs> trick or uh, trick or treat. Um, <laughs> trick or treat. Yeah. And what do you think is the, do you think there's a significance to Charles Lawton choosing to use like a doll? Like a, I don't know if it was a Raggedy Ann doll or just like kind of a stereotypical it's just sort of doll. a doll, yeah. Yeah, as the hiding place for the money. Like, do you think there's some something that this movie's trying to say about like innocence, childhood, or do you think it's just a good, convenient place to hide the money? I think it's a convenient place. I mean, I did, somebody might, you know, have a better explanation than I do. I mean, there's the whole thing about like false idols, like mm-hmm. worshiping mm-hmm. false idols, and mm-hmm. the fact that this, that you know, the that the money is inside of this idol that the kid worships. You know, that Pearl will not let go of. Because it's her favorite thing in the world. Um, that's that's that could be something. But I mean, the whole thing is about like the whole movie is sort of playing with all these different themes and tropes of like religion and like corruption of the innocent and greed and honoring your parents and sinning. And, you know, he you know, Powell says it's sin to tell a lie multiple times throughout this film. I wonder you if know. you could um, line mm-hmm. up the Ten Commandments, every like every one of the commandments into this movie. Quite possible, yeah. Like coveting your thy neighbor's wife. Yeah. I mean, he yep. covets thou shalt his, not, his thou shalt not kill. Yep. Yeah, he covets his uh, cellmate's wife. You know, yep. He doesn't covet her, but he, you know, he ends up seducing yep. her. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if the, I, I think that like that's again like one of those ingredients for this movie that's really good. And I'm uh, I'm a little bummed out that I didn't yeah. like totally jive with this movie. Although I still I still like it, and I am glad we're talking through it. I think this is like helping me make heads or tails of some of this. For sure. Um, um go ahead. Yeah. I would, don't remember what I was going to say. Can Let's we see. talk I, I, about my favorite performance in the film then? Sure. Um, so after John and Pearl go on the run and they escape on the boat mm-hmm. and they, you know, there's about 20, 30 minutes left in the movie and they wander on, you know, they happen onto this farm owned by uh, this this lady named Miss Cooper, who mm-hmm. is played by Lillian Gish who is an older actress. Um, she was known as like the queen of 
side of old Hollywood. She was in like dozens and hundreds of silent films throughout the 1910s and 1920s. Um, she's like, you know, often called like the queen of early Hollywood. Um, I absolutely love her in this. I think she's fan. She's fantastic. Like she has this like softness, but at the same time, like a like a world weary like almost acceptance of like, well, this is what the world is now, and all I can do is try to help protect these children. So and. Uh- it's, there's some stuff that I noticed with her mm-hmm. character, um, and I mm-hmm. think I, like it was very hard for me to jive with her in terms of being this like motherly figure. Since yeah. the first thing that we see her do is beat the kids, uh, yeah. and I get that it's a different time, Spanking right? It's 1955, yeah. right? It's not, it's not now, but it's just kind of when we're. I, I think we're we're meant to contrast her as this like more exactly. angelic figure versus. Right. And I guess do we see her in that opening scene where she's talking with the stars? Was that her talking? That's not with the her. Stars? No, that's okay. just a narrator. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That I was also confused by that. Very Twilight Zone feeling at the beginning. Yeah. So it was very. Yeah. We like. I feel like we're meant to look at her more of the angelic figure to this devilish figure um, mm-hmm. of Powell. Um, but then the first thing she does is she like scrubs the kid's head really hard, yeah. which I can just think back to being a kid and being like forced to like not not being scrubbed like that but having something that's like just very uncomfortable to a kid's body oh, to yeah, have yeah. done to you like a um can't think of a good example but there were things that as you're when you were a kid were very uncomfortable like the closest like when your example, uncle would of, grab your head and give you a noogie that kind of thing or? yeah that's a good that's a, yeah that's yeah. that's a good comparison i was gonna say like when you were yeah. wearing like wool pants and they were really scratchy but oh, as a yeah. kid it really bothered you but now as an adult like it doesn't bother you yeah, as much yeah. it's a little different than that though um but i do think that as for a movie that has all this imagery of animals, right? We see the big turtle that crawls by. We see the yep. owl. Um, significant owls in movies uh, could be connection to another movie. Um, but uh, like there were there were a lot of animals. There's the horses, the horses, mm-hmm. the cows, like you just see animals. Sheep different points too. Yeah, yeah. She, we get references to sheep and wolves when she's leading all the kids through the town. Mm-hmm. It reminds me so much of like a mother duck. Yeah, she looks leading, like mother goose. Yeah, 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 like a mother goose leading ducklings. Yeah. And especially when we have a wolf character that, like, could be, you know, the, they're sure. the prey. Yep. You know, I, I really like the way that, again, like, the imagery, that animal imagery, I thought was really smart. I agree. Um, yep. But, yeah, I just was a little bit like, if this movie was made now, I don't think you see her, like, beat the kids. Not because it's not accepted yeah. now, but because it really makes the character seem less trustworthy and less yeah, motherly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fair. So, yeah. Um. And, and then I had no idea that this movie was going to turn. So, you know, it's not a scary movie, but it's kind of creepy Halloween-ish movie, like you said. Yeah. And it, it, I do like this as a transition point from Halloween movies to Christmas movies. Yeah, it ends as a Christmas movie, which yeah. I, I had forgotten about, that it ends mm-hmm. as a Christmas movie. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a Christmas tale, um, which I is I think great. it's still a little yeah. early for us to start doing Christmas movies, no, but I yeah. do, you know, it does get me a little excited for that season. For sure. So. For sure. So there we go. Yep. Yeah. Um, let me see if I have, I, I do like that the father's name is Ben Harper. Um, yep. because you know Fair Ben enough. Harper, the, the musician. There's I don't think there's any movies that feature Ben Harper or Ben Harper music, but I did think about like suggesting that. Um, would you drink dandelion wine, Brendan? No, I don't think I would. I think it, I'd be curious what it tastes like. Um, sounds I mean, kind of tasty. What about the feast? Of, what about the feast of chicken and sweet potatoes? Absolutely. I that again be... was like that imagery of a wolf, right? With oh, yeah, like yeah. he's gonna he's gonna eat all the chicken. Like he's just like that. Like all that food. So much of, you know, we talked about the three little pigs last week, or I talked about the three yep. little pigs. Like, it does feel like this is, this is the, um, 
what is the one Little Red Riding Hood? Like this reminds yep. me of Little Red Riding Hood, where he's he's trying to fatten the prey that he's going to then take advantage of and eat. And, I mean, even yeah. that the mom she dies in bed, and yep. we we have in Little Red Riding Hood the grandmother dies in bed. I mean, I think like there are allusions to to wolves in other literature that I saw that I saw referenced in this, Absolutely. or at least I was making, um, I was able to make connections to in this. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote this down because I saw that there was, um, I saw this on HBO, but I, I mean, it's, I don't think that it's a movie that we would do as a podcast, but there is a new animated Peter and the Wolf animated short on HBO <laughs> that looks like it's like an adult version of the Peter and the Wolf story that looks animated. Um, I, and that, like, I I thought about bringing that up, as bringing that in as a connection for next week, <laughs> but I don't think that a 30 minute short is like. You know, we're starting off. We're starting off next hundred yeah. with a very uh, quick watch for next week. Um, yeah, but um, I I want to check that out. I'll probably check it out tonight. So nice. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I don't really have anything else on this movie to touch on. Um, okay. Did we? I mean, what about the what about the the old guy um, played by Peter oh, Gray? Uh, or Birdie, not Peter yeah, Gray, yeah. James Gleason. Yeah, um, uh, Uncle Birdie. Yep. Yeah. So he's like the um, again Birdie uh, Prey. Yep wolf gonna chase the gonna chase the bird um you know kind of what is what is his role in this i mean he's kind of there uh but i don't i don't really understand what the point of him was like what he was doing in this movie um yeah i mean he's called uncle birdie he's sort of like a mentor for john the the son mm -hmm. who you know he he tries to be like a fatherly figure by like teaching him to fish and teaching him how his boat's gonna work but then you know he's yeah i mean he is a person who gives in to his addiction at the end and gets like so drunk that he can't help the children. And mm -hmm. so that's sort of like the point of him, I think, mm -hmm. is to sort of like the lesson there is like the overindulgence of, you know, of, yeah, of that's spirits. Mm -hmm. And then, you know. And that kind of spirits, not spirits yeah, like ghouls. Exactly. Um, I probably could say this for my one last thing, but I'm not going to. Um, the fact that we have, you know, so when we're talking about names, right, we have Birdie, which we just yep. talked about um, being the prey, but we have a character named, a female character named Pearl yep. and a female and character named Ruby, right? So yep. two Ruby's gems that he's going after. Like, I just think like, it's like, there's a lot of really clever stuff in this movie. Yep. Um, we also, did you recognize the name of the actor who played their father, Ben Harper? Um, I mean, I see it right in front of me, Peter Graves, but, uh, yeah, uh, you, uh, most of our audience would recognize Peter Graves as the pilot in airplane mm. or the, uh, host of what did he used to, he used to host something on, uh, on a and &E. I don't remember what it was. It was one of those like biography type shows. I see. On Andy, um, mm -hmm. I don't remember what it was, but yeah, I, he's been in a million things, but I, most people will know him from, uh, being the lead pilot in airplane. Ah, yeah. Clarence. Yeah. Clarence. Yep. Clarence Clarence. Yeah, Clarence Clarence. Uh, yeah. Oh, look at this. He was born 59 years before me. Exactly. There he was born go. on March 18th, 1926. Hey, look at that. In Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah, he was the host of uh, A&E's biography. That's what it was. Okay. Yep. Nice. Yep. Uh, and I do see he showed up in Adam's Family Values as well. Oh, yeah. I think he's the judge that maybe. He he's, plays a character named Host. So maybe he's playing that same role that biography host oh yeah it could be did they did they do some sort of like special about the guy who in that movie who was like um who was scam uh scamming them or something like that I, it's been a long time since i've seen adam's family values and i haven't listened to any podcasts so, about it no. recently okay i don't remember what he uh like didn't they didn't yeah i don't know somebody else can correct me on that um 
Oh yeah, that's right. Oh no, wait. Um, the Joe Cusack character is someone who um mar- marries Who's, all of her husbands yeah, and kills them right. for the money. So that's what she does to Fester. Damn it, that's a connection. Oh, that would be a, yeah. That, no, that's a great connection. Yeah, we oh, we man. can do that. Um, yep. oh. all right. Um, all right. Well, any uh, other uh, anything else you want to talk about on this before we hop into listener feedback? Oh, uh, let's get into feedback. But um, yeah, this is um, I yeah, I wish we did. I really thought I would come into this having a lot more to say, but I I think that we pretty much hit on all of it um mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I think that it is you know the way that the i think way that, that it's worthwhile movies, it's it's much more style than substance for well style than like plot substance i think there is mm. substance in terms of thematic things that it's talking about uh, what do you think about the we didn't talk about the hand tattoos the love and hate hand tattoos which are yeah i'm sure they'll do the right thing will come up as a suggestion yep. for next week uh radio rahim has the love and hate um band yep. like the brass bands what yep. What do you think about the ta- the hand tattoos in this movie? I really like it as a um, basically way for Powell to have some sort of story to sell people on that he's a good guy when he first meets them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm this preacher and I have these two tattoos on my hands so that I can tell the story about how love conquers hate. And I'm constantly, you know, preaching love over hate. And that's like... I really love that when he tries to sell Annabeth Gish, not Annabeth Gish, Lilia Gish, Annabeth <laughs> Gish is a modern actress, um, Lilia Gish's uh, Cooper on that same story, she immediately doesn't buy it and knows he's no preacher. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's like a really interesting like entry point because like when the you know it's a nice juxtaposition to the to Mister and Mrs. Spoon who run the drugstore. When they hear that story, they're immediately smitten Mm. with him. And it's sort of how, like, I think it's a metaphor for religion itself a little bit. And, like, buying into faith that, like, there are some people who are swept up by false prophets Mm -hmm. because of, like, the story that they tell. And it's important to be a little more skeptical. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Well, and I think, too, that we're seeing, you know, his character and um, and the mother hen. What is mother hen's character's name? Uh, Cooper. Rich yeah. Cooper. Yeah. Like we're kind of seeing them as like he's he really is the hate. And I, I do wonder if you could watch this movie and it's like, which hand are you seeing more prominently? Yeah. Does that clue into something about motivations or what they're doing? But um, yeah, I feel like she's more of the love, although she like, again, she hits the kid. So it's not like she's just 100 percent compassionate right. and loving. Right. That's um, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't really talk too much about either of the two kids. We got Pearl and John. Um, I think their performances are fine. They're they're mm-hmm. just fine. They're not like spectacular for me. Um, I think you know the Pearl. You know they're yeah. I mean they're like eight and four. There's not really much you can criticize yeah. for these kid actors. I think they're absolutely fine at yeah. what they. Do. I was a little bit confused why John starts having a meltdown when they finally um when they oh, finally arrest, arrest Powell because he's just yeah. having a flashback to what because it's the exact same scene as what happened to his dad and so he mm-hmm. just has a PTSD reaction to it like okay you know, yeah. yeah and at the end of the movie Powell is still on the loose right he's escaped at the end or is he killed no he was arrested okay but he's He's not killed at the end of this movie. He's no, he's not killed. Yeah, he's just yeah. dragged off to prison. But, yeah, and he is dragged. Okay, I couldn't remember. I thought he escaped. Yeah, for some the reason. cops took him off to prison. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. Good. Off the streets. Yeah. yeah you're good. All right. Well. Yeah. 
for our 200th episode, why don't we see if there is any box office? And there is not for this. Uh, too, too, too early. But you do have a little bit of background. Uh, Night of the Hunter premiered July 26, 1955 in Des Moines, Iowa. A special event to raise money for the YMCA in Gregory's hometown, uh, which included a parade and broadcast on The Tonight Show. It later had its premiere uh, Los Angeles on August 26, 1955, and in New York on September 29, 1955. Mm-hmm. Um, let's look at what other big 1955 movies there were. Um, well, I mean, 1955 oh. was a pretty big year. So. Rebel Without a Cause, movie we already did on this podcast, Lady in the Tramp, Diabolique, which I think I'm going to be watching for Criterion, uh, or nice. Debt, which I watched for Criterion recently, East of Eden, Seven Year Itch. Nice. So, uh, Marty, Killer's Kiss. Um, yeah. So yeah, some some pretty big there movies, I, but we don't know when those when those movies came out compared to this. So. No sir. All right. Um. Well, let's get to feedback. Kick things off with them yep. with Jenny, the music teacher. Okay, this movie was a study in contrasts. One, the little boy John was extremely good, while Mitchum mm-hmm. chewed the scenery. Two, there were way too many monologues, but the plot mm-hmm. was interesting and unique. And three, the music was predictable and boring, but the cinematography was great. The shadow play was especially good. I would say I liked it overall, but it was clunky. Three stars. Yeah. Uh, see, I love the music in this. I, especially, like, there's something about, like, I think the reason that I remember this movie being creepier than it was mm-hmm. is at least for me, there's something creepy about children singing. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, when they're on the boat and the and Ruby is just, or Pearl is just, like, singing to herself on the boat in the darkness as they're riding down the river it's just like mm-hmm. it's it just sounds creepy yeah, the, like, yeah about the and that was about flies which again yeah. are like it's like if we're looking at the food chain right we see the spiders right spiders would eat the yeah. flies and the turtle might i don't know if the turtles eat spiders or the turtle maybe eats the spider and something else and they talk about cracking open the turtle and making soup and that was exactly. a huge turtle too that was a very yep. cool looking turtle um yep yeah, this is probably the closest I've ever kind of been in terms of reads on a movie to um, Jenny, the music teacher. That's so fair. I'll give her that. Um, I didn't notice the monologues. I think that's just kind of, you know, when you have a preacher and church yeah. scenes and courtroom scenes, I think it kind of makes sense to have monologues. It's just um, the way it goes. Yep. Yeah. Um, and with the music, the one thing I was going to mention this later on, but uh, in 2001, A Space Odyssey, when they shut down Hal he sings a song called Daisy that has almost oh, yeah. the exact same tune. I thought it was the same song, yeah. but it's not the, the, um, it's not, yeah, it's Daisy, it, Daisy, it, give me not leaning. Yeah. Me. But he says, yeah. Cause leaning, leaning. And he says, Daisy, Daisy. And then he kind of gets spoilers for 2001. So I did, I did have 2001 on my honorable mentions, but otherwise without that yep. song being yeah. the same, it doesn't really connect. <laughs> um, no. all right. What do we got next? Uh, Jim Crumley writes it. It says night of the hunter, Definitely felt its age. It moved pretty quickly and did pretty well with the technology technology limitations of the times. Though it was clear it was mainly shot in a soundstage, there were some fun shots. I particularly liked the underwater shots of Willa and the shots where animals were in the foreground. Good job, Frog, rabbits, etc. And the characters were in the background. The child actors were fine for the time, but the melodrama of the story felt most stretched with them. Also, the title didn't feel appropriate for a story that played mm. out mm-hmm. over months. Three and um, a half. Hero is the cinematographer Stanley Cortez. Um, yeah, I think that that's fair. I think that's all fair. Um, the title makes no sense at all. It's a terrible title. <laughs> Maybe that's why this movie flopped in the beginning because it's like Night of the Hunter. You think it's going to be a one night 
adventure, scary thing, you know, like monster. But it's yeah, it's, it's like over a long period of time. And he's not even really a hunter. I mean, I guess if we're talking about like that animal metaphor, mm. uh, but he's it's not really hunting. I mean, he's like scamming yeah. and trying to find money. That's but, true. Yeah, it should have oh, been called yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, hidden money in the river or something like that. We didn't even really talk about the... Um, Gorgeous shot when Uncle Bertie discovers Willa's body in the bottom of the river. And it's just like the hair is flowing under the water. And it's like an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous shot. Like, I mean, you're you're looking at a dead body in a car, but like it's a it's a beautiful like underwater shot, which is, you know, very, um, very impressive for the time that it was made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I I like that that shot too. I think, yeah. um, it, yeah, you know, I I don't really know if there was like any significance to it, but it, yeah, it did look good. Yeah. And um, so I agree. Maybe I'm more in agreement with Jim than I was with Jenny. Sorry. Um, <laughs> as we move on, maybe I'll just keep agreeing with listeners. Yeah, more just keep agreeing with people. Yeah. yeah. Maybe right. maybe you'll bump that score up. Yeah. Next next uh next feedback from Ron. Can't believe that this is the only movie Charles Lawton directed. What a missed opportunity for cinema. Insanely good for a first time director. Four stars. Mm. Yeah, nice. very good. I, I will say, agreed with that. Very good for a first-time director, uh, actor-turned-director, which we've yep. had some of those earlier this year. Definitely um, thinking of Into the Wild with um, Sean, Penn. Sean Penn directing. Yep. And was Pollock? Uh, Pollock was Ed Harris directing. Yep. So, yeah. um, All right. Uh, Owen writes in and says, straight up five stars. Great portrayal of preaching of religious ideas through evil and good. That leaning singing duet between Miss Cooper and Harry Powell may be my favorite showdown build-up. Uh, my favorite showdown build-up. Yep. My yeah, no, favorite I think showdown. I that's also, an oddly constructed. Yeah, but no, so, no I do agree with that. Yeah. Um, that's I think that's my I favorite moment this, film. Yeah. Yeah. If I if I watch this movie again, I think it would clue in a little bit more on that scene. Um, For sure. Uh, Lillian Gish perfectly cast as the strict but loving mother figure who forgives the natural vices of people. Of course, Charles Lawton had to put up with a lot of the Harry Powell preaching of vindictiveness and the need to cleanse the soul from hypocritical institutions. It feels this may have fed into this. Anyway, love the poetic lyricism of the film. The great interaction of iconic imagery with sounds and music, full five out of five. A shame the reaction at the time of the film further put Button down a path of self-criticism. And I'm not helping with that, so apologies. Yeah, way to go. Me being well, critical. Apologies um, to Charles Lawton. Wherever you... I like he talks about cleansing the soul. Uh, we have the kids mm-hmm. getting bathed in that scene. Yep. Um, and that really is kind of the transition point from one movie to another movie in this. So. Um. For sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, my brother Aaron says uh, this is a letterbox review from when he watched it a couple years ago. Robert Mitchum plays one of the best villains in movie history here. Uh, why is this the only time Charles Lawton directed a film? Well, I think we've got our yeah, answer. Didn't get a good. Yeah. Didn't get good feedback. Um, this is a near perfect movie, but I just didn't fully connect with all the themes. I love good mm-hmm. noir. And this is that four and a half stars. There you go. Four and a half yeah. stars. Nice. Uh, I mean, Robert Mitchum plays one of the best movie villains in movie history i feel like you could say that until you watch no country for old men and then it's like that same character is perfect right i think that's fair yeah yep. all right uh guess what zach guess what kyle curry wrote in kyle curry Yay, welcome back kyle curry happy 200th episode kyle says Thank you. night of the hunter has been a favorite of mine for a while 
a former boss introduced it to me after we went and saw the Cullen brothers true grit together. And we'd often sing out loud in the office, leaning, leaning. The noir ambiance is so good and creepy with really unique directing and cinematography and great acting. How great is that underwater car shot too? The cast is all fantastic, but my favorite was Evelyn Evelyn Varden, who brought so much camp to every scene that she had me rolling. Come along here and get some fudge. (laughs) Four and a half stars from Kyle Um, Curry. Yeah, I think I didn't appreciate that underwater scene as much just because I I took it for granted a little bit because now you would see it. It's like no big deal. And I I think I just sort of forgot that this was movie was made in 1955 and like how impressive that probably was at the time. It's a beautiful shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, having the car underwater. Um, that's an interesting thing to think about as we're picking our next movie. So, all right. What does that give us for listener average? Uh, 4.08 from the listeners. So not too shabby, not too shabby. Not too bad at all. All right. Uh, why don't you go first this week? Yeah. Um, so I think I'm three and a half uh, with Jim. <laughs> I wish I was a little bit higher. I think like it really, it's like, Tale of two movies, I feel like almost like it really earns that three and a half, and then it just really doesn't earn the, that last half, uh, star and a half. So, um, fair enough. I think it's good. I'm sure it would rise on a, on a rewatch when I'm a little bit more like, again, I think the title really, like the title and that we picked this as our Halloween movie really made me expect something different than what it was. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, we were set up. I think I set you up for politics. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I, you know, it's your fault. Fair um, enough. so yeah, no, totally I did, it, like you didn't name the movie. I think like the Night of the Hunter is just a absolutely horrible title it's just a very mistitled if somebody can give me a good reason for the movie called Night of the Hunter, um i don't know i mean yeah. he is a hunter but yeah i know and we get uh, it's a metaphor in the predatory yeah. yeah it's just i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't work like the 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 preaching killer i don't know there's i can't think of a better title so who am i to throw yeah. stones but i yeah, just exactly. i don't think that title night of the hunter works what if it was just called love and hate yeah i don't know I, I just love don't the title Maybe this is why he settled on the Night of the Hunter because it just doesn't. There's not a good. There's not a good title for this, but it's like this, yeah. like you know, cha- like he's. It's not a. It's not one night, and he's more like. It's more like the season of the chaser. It's the season of the wicked. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm between a four and a four and a half. I was a four and a half on my initial Letterboxd review when I saw this a couple years ago. I think I'm slightly lower on it now, but am I lower on it enough that I would bump this down to a four is a really good question. Like, I think I'm at like a 4.25 after this watch, mm-hmm. which would average yeah. up to keep mm-hmm. it at a 4.5. But, you know, we talked about it. I still think that this is a really great movie. I think the performances are great. It's a it's so gorgeous to look at. And like all of the religious themes really work well for me. It just. Felt a little, I'm going to say, use the same word Jenny did. It did feel a little clunky at points, especially mm-hmm. in some of the acting with the mom and with the spoons. It just sort of didn't work, didn't totally work in all those scenes for me. But I think I'm still 4.5. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. Uh, and what were you the last watch? 4.5 last 4.5, time, too? 4.5, yeah, okay. yeah. So that's going to be a 4.03, which will be a 4 on Letterboxd. So nice. There you go. All right, cool. Here are the movies. Not bad. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to Miss Cooper. Okay. She protected the crap out of those kids. She shot the dude mm. from the porch into the barn. It was great. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was good. Um, yep. She was the real hunter. 
course. Indeed. Yeah, yeah the, the duck fought back. The goose fought back. Yep. Um, I will give it to Robert Mitchum because I just think, like, he – we didn't talk too much about his performance, but he is so menacing and yeah. creepy. Um, he's a good monster. and Yeah, um, he's very good. Yep. And he's been – you know, he inspired Do the Right Thing. He inspired Cape Fear. Yep. Like that, so um, and probably right. somebody should have given it to Charles Lawton, but oh well. Yep. All right. Uh, what's next? What is next? Connections. Uh, so All we right. talked about a lot of the connections. Are there any other connections to last week's movie? Yeah, have? I mean, we talked a lot about the whole, you know, false prophet. We talked about the bathing, you know, the baptism in the water, uh, mm-hmm. the bathing in the water, um, mm-hmm. the purification. Um, I mean, greed, for lack of a better word, is, you know, what drives both films, yep. especially with, um, you know, uh, Daniel giving up on his family to for the for the oil money, um, you know, and then I we mean, also had a con man pretending to be someone someone he wasn't in order to get close to the family and get rich. A con man in black and a black hat. Uh, well, uh, yeah, hey, the con no, man you mean is the brother. Yeah, I'm yeah. about Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I did have like just the black hat villain we have in yep. both movies. Um, and I and, think he was in prison with his brother, right, or something like that. Was he not? Am I making no, that he, up? No, I think uh, I think he met Daniel's brother okay, somewhere. Got it. I don't think they were in prison together, but yeah, I okay, can't remember for sure. Um, and Powell talks about greed in that church yep. scene. Um, yep. Like specifically talks about greed. We had a lot of you know we talked about the animals in both movies, but there were a lot of liquids in um, there will be blood mm. milkshakes specifically is brought up. Um, and there is milk on the table when Powell yep. is trying to like she wants milk bribe yeah. these kids with food to get them to reveal where the money is. They have a big jug of milk on the table. Well, they um, also, I mean, their mom and the the scoons work at a candy store. Mm, yeah, that's good too. Where yeah. you could get milkshakes. Um. Uh, and, uh, most the story of Moses and the story of Jesus are brought up, um, speaking yep. of faith, but, uh, found a child in a basket, uh, yep. bastard in a basket. Yep. Bastard so. in a basket. Yep. yep. There you go. Um, all right. Well, title connections. I know you have a couple ideas. I wrote it down. I wrote it down a couple of different ways. Um, I wrote it down as it is in this movie, beware of false prophets mm-hmm. as it is in night of the hunter, or I am a false prophet, which is how, you know, Eli is forced to say it at the end of there will be blood. Mm. So um, I would go with beware of false prophets, although okay. I will also suggest uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. I like that. Animals in yeah. both movies. Um, That's true. They're both wolf like. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, li- I mean, uh, Robert Mitchum literally looks like the big bad wolf at three, at least three different points. in this film. And we also talked yeah. about the big bad wolf last week. So I do feel like wolf, uh, this like predator, like. Uh, wolf in sheep's clothing like i don't want to i don't want to point us because i think yours are good too but i do think wolf in sheep's clothing is you good. like that better that's I, it. That's I mean i do me. but we don't have a the big bad wolf yep um all right wolf in sheep's clothing it is i like and it. everybody I mean, who's listening to this already knows that already knows yep um all right uh connections to other movies from this year we talked about no country for old men bag of money yep. the villain uh what else do you got yep uh we caught uh we have somebody escaping across the country uh, and across a river from an abusive relationship or abusive family like in uh into the wild and in wild and, and wild yep um on um, golden pond just like the boating yep um there you go the boating yep everything in yeah. there uh, uh what else et kids kids escaping yeah that wasn't um, this year. oh that's last year i was looking at the wrong list whoops yep um uh what else yeah, big know, night really. obviously we have all the food in big night um and the the word night which this came yeah, up food um, scene yeah this is mm-hmm. a suggestion off of night uh big night yep. 
Uh, American Hugo, Psycho. Hugo. What about Hugo? Kids on the Run. Yep. Hugo? Killing people for greed in American Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, we had a marriage in this, so Rachel getting married, all of our wedding movies. True. And yep. wedding in real life, we went to. Yep. And uh, uh, we have someone getting out of prison and inserting themselves into a family dynamic in Silver Lighted's playbook. Yep. Um, well, uh, yeah. Darkness of Men's Soul in Sierra, Treasure Sierra Madre as well. Yep, for sure. Oh, yeah. Big, big Treasure of the Sierra Madre connections. Yep. Uh, and that was uh, that was 48. So that was seven years before this movie. Yep. All right. Uh, Moving map. Yeah, uh, I wrote down three because I couldn't decide which one I wanted to be. Actually, two. Uh, I mean, Poltergeist and The Omen, just you have two different movies featuring creepy kids, even though, you know, and spooky stuff happening around kids. Mm-hmm. So Poltergeist and The Omen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Summer Sam. You got a the serial, serial criminal. criminal. Yep. Yep. And all right. One last thing. Wow. Uh, what else? Uh, so yeah. Um, just to uh, because I mentioned her earlier, I will use this as my one last thing. Uh, so a lot of people think that actress Annabeth Gish from the X Files and the Mike Flanagan universe and a million other things is related to screen legend uh lillian gish gish and she actually is not but she did once write lillian gish a letter saying you know she often gets mistaken for one of her relatives and asking her for advice and lillian gish replied to annabeth gish don't go into the movies Mm. there aren't enough good parts for actresses and like basically discouraged her from pursuing her dream which i thought was kind of Mm. a bummer Oh, but yeah, I sure. think Anna, I mean, Annabeth Gish is doing quite fine for herself, I would say. So I'm glad that she chose to ignore that advice. Good. There yeah, go. me too. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything. Okay. Uh, Charles Lawton was in Spartacus, which we there did for uh, the beginning of our second year. I'm Spartacus. That is, that is my one last thing. There you go. All right. Uh, and also, this movie will be in the 1950s shortlist for Film Spotting Madness. Absolutely. So I pe- hope people check it out. All right. All right. Well, I hope, I mean, I'm assuming they did if they're listening, but we shall find out. Uh, and speaking of we shall find out, should we find out what we're going to be watching next week? Let's do it. I hope it's a Simpsons episode because I'm uh, sure there are multiple Simpsons episodes that's connected to this movie. I would imagine so, yeah. <laughs> uh, when was the last time you watched a Treehouse of Horrors episode of The Simpsons? Oh, geez. Uh, probably when I rewatched the Cape Fear version of the, of the, um, that's not, that might that might not even be Treehouse of Horror, is it? That's just a straight up Simpsons episode, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, um, I think I think I rewatched the Shining one where Homer goes something something at some point. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that's I, I. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out which Treehouse of Horrors we're up to, and I, I can't. Are, are they still find doing it. them? I would <laughs> imagine they do it every year. I hope so. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't have the answer to. Uh, so this is Treehouse of Horrors. I'm on Wikipedia. We're up to uh, Treehouse of Horrors 34, My 33. God. Oh, so 33 aired in 2022. So this year is Treehouse of Horrors 34. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but there's no Wikipedia page for it yet, so I don't know if it um, if it is aired or not. But yes, the there's definitely last year October 30th, 2022, Treehouse of Horrors 33. Mm-hmm. So, um, in season 34. So we did miss one Treehouse of Horrors along the way, or maybe they didn't do it in season one. That's there probably more like. All right. Well, next week will be episode number 201. 201. It was just our 201 episode. 201st. 201st? 
Yeah, that's the word. That's the word. Uh, and I know that uh, we're going to lead off with a uh, Jenny, the music teacher. Cape Fear, the 1962 version, has a great, great Mitchum performance and, again, has children in danger from him. Yep. Um, if we weren't, if we still need to do that double week, Brendan, I feel like both Cape Fears. We could have done be, both Cape Fears, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we still could, I guess, if we wanted to. Yep. But, yeah, we didn't have to do this double week. Uh, Children of the Corn turns the tables and makes the children the predators. Uh, also uh, focuses on religion. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've never seen Children of the Corn. I'm, like, familiar with the concept. It's been a long time. I've seen the original a long time ago, but it's been a while, yeah. And if that – I don't know where that movie takes place. I'm assuming, like, Nebraska. But if it takes place in Iowa, this movie de- – the Night of the Hunter debuted in Iowa. There you go. Nice bonus connection. Kyle uh, – this is Kyle Curry or Kyle – I'm assuming Kyle Curry. This is your Kyle. Yeah, Kyle Curry. Okay. Uh, da- Dancer in the Dark. Pearl's haunting song she sings in the boat is reminiscent of a Bjork song. And there's some other similarities between the movies as well. Cash Robbery. Oh murder and more you'll have to watch to find out Ooh, nice tease Indeed. the bad nice. seed released the year after night of the hunter i immediately thought of this because of some of the similar death thrill scenes in the basement and in the lake as well as a campy character similar to icy spoon and a child with a secret also one of the most egregious examples of the haze code you'll see on film mm. another nice tease um uh, we didn't talk about this, but i just thought of a connection back to yep. there will be blood from this movie but the significant scene taking place in a basement yeah, because um, uh, we had the bowling alley scene last week. Yep, people getting hit on the head. With stuff. Yeah, uh, and last one, the messenger, the Joan of Arc story, Luke Besson and Mila Jovovich is a follow up to the Fifth Element, another character mm-hmm. who talks to God and hears messages, or does she? Yep, exactly. Um, all right, Jim has the 1962 Cape Fear. Robert Mitchum is a troubled convict, where some of the action plays out on or near a river. The version also yep. stars Gregory Peck and Polly Bergen. Yep. Uh, speaking of Gregory Peck, To Kill a Mockingbird, another crime drama set in a rural town in the Great Depression, centered on a boy and his sister and his younger sister. Yep. Almost Heroes, a comedic take on a trip similar <laughs> to that of Lewis and Clark, starring Chris Farley and the recently departed Matthew Perry. The main connection is boat trips. There you go. Boat trips. Um, I remember when Almost Heroes came out. I never saw it, but it's like I remember seeing the, the commercial for it a lot. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ron, 30 Days a Night, 2007 Hunters in a Long Night. I really mm-hmm. hated 30 Days a Night when I saw it. I was mad. I remember seeing the theater. Not a fan. That was not a good 2007 movie. Wow. Uh, yeah. Next one. A Lonely Place to Die. A child being helped by strangers while being hunted. And seven. Serial killer and what's in the doll slash box. Yep. Uh, yeah. All right. Olin has Cape Fear from 1962. Robert Mitchum plays one of his other most menacing roles. Yep. Broken Blossoms, 1919. Probably my favorite D.W. Griffith film, of course, starring Lillian Gish. This time playing the child figure who has an outside come in to take care of her. Uh, mm. Who's an outsider come to take care of her. I'm assuming that's what I'm supposed to say. Uh, much different to Griffith's epics, though, does unfortunately have some bad yellow face. Oh, no. Um, and uh, Lante. I don't know if I pronounce that. Atalante? La, La Atlante. It looks like Atlante. Atlante. Uh, La Atlante. All right. A pair traveled down a river in a barge like Lawton. This was the only featured film from Jean Vigo directed. That Jean Vigo directed. There you go. My brother. Uh, Cape Fear. Newer one. The newer one. So the Scorsese version for a villainous presence. Yep. Um, also Robert Mitchum. Uh, and uh, Do the Right Thing for the Radio Rahim homage. Both of those there were on my list. Nice. Uh, Zach, you're first this week. All right. Well, I got to take a couple off of my list. So I got to take yep. Cape Fear, do the right thing off of my list. There you go. I still have a lot. Uh, speaking of Scorsese, um, a movie about night 
movie I thought this was going to be more about, like, the dead, uh, bringing out the dead. I know you just watched it, but I've never seen it. it. Scorsese yeah. Blind Spot. Um, okay. Next one. Uh, I don't think you've seen this movie. I know we are out of spooky season, but it doesn't mean we can't do a spooky movie. Again, this is Pearl. Yeah. Uh, Pearl being the sequel to X. Oh, man, although, I haven't seen any of those. Um, so my brother told me before I watched Pearl or X that I didn't have to watch them in the X to Pearl order. And so I watched Pearl oh. first and didn't watch X uh, and then watched X after because Pearl is actually a prequel to X. Um, I'm intrigued. And there is a new movie next year called, called Maxine. That is the third movie in that oh. series coming out. Okay. Um, so you can watch Pearl and then maybe we do X after or you could watch both of them next week, whatever you feel up to if we pick that. Mm-hmm. Um, a Simple Plan, A Mysterious Bag of Money. There you go. Um, that's like one of the few like mysterious bag of money crime thrillers I could think of um, that uh, I thought would work well. Uh, Frailty, Murder in yep. the Name of Religion. Yep. Um, I will go with, this is a movie that if we don't pick it, uh, I probably will end up watching it tonight because it's a Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. It does have James Gleason in it who played Uncle Birdie. And mm-hmm. um, it's... Uh, I think it's from the 50s. Yeah, it is from the I think it's 1950. Uh, that's Arsenic and Old Lace. So very fun, like yeah, Halloween kind of caper movie. Uh, lots of funny. There's a, I think there's a Frankenstein monster who shows up in it. So, yeah. uh, you know, much more lighthearted than this movie is. And finally, my last one. Oh, so many on my list I want to pick from. I'm going to go Bird Box. Um, the two the children in a boat going down the river and some mysterious death coming towards them. Uh, I never yep. saw Bird Box when it came out on Netflix, so why not visit that? Okay. And it turns out yeah. I have a whole bunch of movies I did not pick. Uh, so there are a lot of movies that are kind of similar in ideas to this, where there are serial killers going after someone through marriage. Um, I'm going to go with uh, The Honeymoon Killers from 1970. Um, let's see, what else am I going to go with? Uh, mentioned it earlier uh, we have an evil stepfather in this movie. We have an evil stepfather in the Stepfather. So I will go with the Stepfather from... Terry O'Quinn uh, is the lead in that. Is it Terry O'Quinn? Okay, yep. yeah. I will go with the Stepfather. I, why did I think it was Tom Berenger? What am I thinking of? Yeah. Okay, uh, Terry O'Quinn. Start Terry O'Quinn. Uh, I will go with a con man using religion for greedy purposes. This one, a comedy slash drama starring Steve Martin, Leap of Faith. Mm. That's fun. I will go with a serial killer pretending to be a non-threatening job profession. This one starring Ben Affleck in The Accountant. Uh, what else? The Accountant so much. I think we each have these like terrible movies that we always suggest because they're just on the watch list. Um, yeah, um, that's funny. I'm gonna. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to suggest a movie starring Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen called The Good Liar, where a man ingratiates himself into a family and the family starts to grow suspicious that he may be after her money. Hmm. The Good Liar is what that's yeah, called? Yeah, The Good Liar. Yeah. Okay. Came out a couple of years ago. It's been on my list. Haven't seen it. Um, and then I will go with. Oh, I know what next. Um. I tell you what, I will go with another long night of people coming after people trying to escape death. Uh, let's go with the original Night of the Living Dead. I had that on my list as well. Like how they to get you, Barbara. Um, um, nice. Uh, you got anything honorable mention-wise? Yeah, I got a lot of honorable mention stuff. Um, I've got uh, Stalker 
I've got uh, The Stranger, which is a film about someone who who claims to be a long-lost relative and comes into a family's life, and the family starts to suspect that he's not who they thought they were, that he purported himself to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, thought about Nightmare on Elm Street also. Mm-hmm. Um, thought about uh, Man on Fire for adults looking after children who are on the run from killers. Um, Night of Cups, just for the night. <laughs> um, Pale Rider for, you know, just for the scene where he's riding on the horse, because there's a very similar... Uh, uh, from Hell, um, Peter, I talked about the Peter and the Wolf thing. Uh, Village of the, of the Damned for Creepy Children. Um, and then Before the Devil Knows You're Dead um, came that's up good. again in my yeah. brain. But yeah, that's it. What about right. you? Uh, Deer Hunter, uh, First yeah. Reformed for a Preacher, also leaning on Everlasting Arms is in that movie there you uh, go. I saw yeah. on Wikipedia. Uh, Freeway, because that's like a retelling of um, Little Red Riding Hood starring Keeper Sutherland. Yep. Uh, Deliverance, going down. Deliverance, going down the river. Badlands, mm-hmm. out of sight for the uh, getting out of prison, trying to find your money. Um, a girl walks home alone at night. Goonies yep. for kids in, on the run and treasure and Psycho. Yep. Uh, that was the one I was referencing when I said a. Uh, gotcha. Okay. Cool. Well, let's take it from the top and figure out what we're going to be watching. All right. All right. Uh, Kate Fear, Children of the Corn, Dancer in the Dark, The Bad Seed. The Messenger, the story, the Joan of Arc story, Kate Fear Again, To Kill a Mockingbird, Almost Heroes, 30 Days a Night, A Lonely Place to Die, Seven, Kate Fear, Broken Blossoms, La Advante, <laughs> Kate Fear, Do the Right Thing, Bringing Up the Dead, Pearl, A Simple Plan, Frailty, Arsenic and Old Lace, Bird Box, The Honeymoon Killers, The Stepfather, Leap of Faith, The Accountant, The Good Liar, and Night of the Living Dead. I get to go first. I think we have to put Kate Fear 1962 on there because so many people suggested it. It's the most obvious connection. Makes a lot of sense. I can't remember if I've seen the original Kate Fear or not. I know I watched uh, the Scorsese one very recently. Yeah. All right. So part of me wants to pick the 91 Cape Fear. Yeah. Um, but and then I do think like, if we're going to do a Cape Fear, it probably makes sense to do the one that Robert Mitchum is the lead in. And then if we want to do the the remake the next week, we could. Um, sure. So I will go with Do the Right Thing for yes. the Radio Raheem love-hate of it all. Yep. Okay, uh, great. Uh, from your list, uh, I'm most intrigued by the Pearl suggestion. I think it's actually pretty good. Um, I think I would actually enjoy those movies. It's a period um, piece, take, so it takes place in the early 19, 1919. And I think one. I would actually enjoy those movies um, more than some of the most that I think. Um, and I think it's your, yeah, I think it's a really clever pick. Um, I'm gonna go Thank with you. Pearl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really clever pick. I like it a lot. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Ty yeah. West is the one. He so he like yeah. he made X, and then when True they West. debuted X at some. Um, at like some film festival, he announced after the movie ended that he had already filmed the sequel or yeah. prequel. Um, nice. Yeah, I remember so. hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Off of your list. Yep. Let's see. Um, I don't think I've seen any of these. And I've had the stepfather. I have. Oh, I've seen Night of Living Dead. Um, let's throw the stepfather on there because that's one neither of us have seen. And it sounds like it's similar in terms of that kind of uh, scam artist. Vibe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I was thinking about Leap of Faith. Um, just because Steve Martin. Um, yep. 
he's more of he's more of a televangelical preacher in that like he's you know not he's claiming to be able to heal people and that, mm. so it's not quite the same thing um but he is uh, a con man meant to also bring up uh earlier in my one last thing is mm-hmm. that they did announce that they're doing a modern retelling of night of the hunter in 2020 oh, but i don't know universal enough so i don't know if it went anywhere though but because they did a made for tv movie version of it uh back in the day as well and it went nowhere didn't didn't get any buzz. Uh, you would think especially this being on the site and sound list um april 7th 2020 universal is remaking night of the hunter um and I have not seen, I don't see anything since 2007 or yep. uh, since 2020 about this remake. So yeah. don't know if this it's is, dead. Don't know if it's been worked on, but. Well, this is an interesting final four. Uh, Kate mm-hmm. Fear 62, Do the Right Thing, Pearl, and The Stepfather. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I appreciate Do the Right Thing. I love Do the Right Thing, but I don't think it's the connection strong enough. No, I don't. I, apparently, Raider Rahim um, actually gives the same monologue that uh, Powell does in this. But yeah, I, I kind of agree. It's, it's not. Yeah. I think it's. Yeah, I don't think it's. Uh, we can toss that one. That's fine. Uh, streamability wise, Cape Fear not streaming. You know, wow. not, not on any of the services. Uh, okay. Pearl is on Paramount Plus with Showtime. Nice. Um, also on uh, Fubo. Fubo. Um, and really? if people. We would just have to decide how we want to handle X if we would say, because it is a prequel. You really don't need to see X. Um, yep. I, mean, I think there's some allusions to it, but you don't need to see it. But X also um, on Paramount Plus. So if people wanted to watch both, they could. Um, yep. And the stepfather is a Hoopla Canopy Peacock. Yep. All right. Also freebie. Um, so all of it. And like all of the, it's like on every It's on supported. all the things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sorry, I should have made you guess, but oh well. Yeah, I know. It's cool. Um. I, mean, I, I could do any of the three. I think any of the three would be I could do any of the three. I did just, like, really recently watch Cape Fear for the Library Ladder Challenge, the mm-hmm. um, the Scorsese version, because, you know, I had to watch a movie that I saw, but I didn't really remember. Or, no, this was in the remake. I don't remember which one it was yet. I think it was in the remake that was made 30 years later or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I do think Cape Fear is a very – because I think – at least in the Scorsese version, I think a boat, like there's boats in Cape Fear as well. Sure. These, like, they yeah. live on a boat or they escape on a boat or something. Um, so, yeah, I would be fine with Cape Fear. I think Pearl, I would be fun to revisit. And it's cool that you haven't seen it. It's a pretty unique movie. Um, not kind of your typical. I don't think it's like your typical horror movie. Um, and the stepfather, I mean, Terry O'Quinn playing a con man. Like, I yeah, think I kind of like that. I would appreciate that. The irony, yeah. Um, the irony. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of okay with any of these, but I think that, like, there was something about when you when you suggested Pearl that, like, my heart fluttered a little and I was like, okay, I should watch this. Yeah. Yeah. I think it I would be fun. I think there's similar music in Pearl, if I remember correctly. Um, and it's just, like, it is, like, it's, it's, I'm fine with that. I think Pearl, Pearl will be fun to should... revisit. Um, yeah. And that's why we didn't do very many horror movies during Halloween. We do no, some we November. Didn't. So this will be okay. interesting. Yeah. Pearl is next week. Uh, the 2022 movie by Ty West. It is on, uh, it is rentable or it is on Paramount Plus with Showtime. Excellent. Um, and it is the prequel to character from the movie X. So gotcha. what do you want to say? Do you want to tell people just to watch both or do you want to say? Watch I would have just watched Pearl and then if we end up doing X, that's great okay. too because I haven't seen X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, again, like there might be some stylistic, like some, it's the style is different than X, but there are like, Okay. You can watch it. My brother would be very happy that we're doing the Pearl, then X, which is the opposite of the release order. So, Interesting. Um, 
Yeah. All right. Well, this will be uh, fun. Yeah, this yeah. will be cool. All right. We're watching Pearl next week. I watched Pearl. Let's see. When did I last watch Pearl? In, oh, wow. Almost exactly a year ago. October 28th, 2022. I watched it. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, what and, are uh, you uh, What are you going to watch tonight for Halloween? Oh, tonight. Yes. Um, I am going to watch, oh, what is the movie called? Um, I keep forgetting the name of it. It just came out and it is uh, where, When Evil Lurks. It is on uh, Shudder. It is okay. a horror movie that is getting lots of people, lots of buzz about it. Um, I have to watch for the monthly challenge, a movie from South America. Nice. And this was made in Argentina. So nice. uh, cool. kind of, I was going to have to do something else. And I, I saw this was an Argentinian movie and I've had it on uh, my list for a couple of weeks since my brother watched it and said it is the most fucked up horror movie that's come out recently. Nice. I've got my letterbox to watch list filtered by horror and I'll just pick something from that. Uh, Probably have you seen with... Arsenic and Old Lace? You have seen it, haven't you? I have a couple okay. of times. Yeah, I, I might if I yeah. if I'm feeling really depressed after watching uh, When Evil Lurks. You might need to. Yeah, I, I might just watch it. Just it's, it's a comedy. A fun, it's a it's straight such a fun it's... Halloween comedy. Um, yeah. It's just a straight comedy. I mean, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it takes place on Halloween, which is fun. Yeah. Um, are you? And I mean, candy? it's it's you know it's um Cary Grant doing his Cary Grant. Yeah. Early, you know, early yeah. trick. Very like yeah, slapstick. Um, have you? Uh, are you handing out candy? No, there's, I'm in an apartment building. There's nowhere to hand out candy, man. I'm hoping that candy gram. my door. I was wondering if anybody's going to come to my door as we were recording. Um, yeah. But it does not seem to be the case. So. Yeah. So, Zach, on my list, I've got the original Godzilla, the Changeling, Talk to Me, Night Mitch, which hasn't come out yet. Oh, Talk, you should talk to Me. Yeah, but it's a premium rental. Uh, oh. The Dead Don't Die, Studio 666, the Food Fighters movie. Um, And I also uh, was thinking I might watch Suspiria. The original. Uh, I've watched the original Suspiria. It didn't do much for me, but I have not seen the sequel. I mean, I, people like I just, I just didn't, it didn't really uh, do anything for me. Yeah. Wait, why is there a pro, would you say Pearl Jam or U2 movie? What, what? Uh, Foo Fighters. Foo Studio Fighters. 666, wow. where they go to a haunted house. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Man, that's a bummer that talked to me. They didn't make uh, Streetable somewhere, but before Halloween. Yeah, that's, I know. That's, like, on, that's on movie. my top, it's like my top four movies this year. I know. Um, yeah. Um, all right. I'll I, find something. I don't think Godzilla is really a horror movie either. Godzilla is nope. good, but I don't think it's a really a horror movie. All right. Uh, anything else you're looking forward to watching this week? Um, well, yeah, actually, um, I have Full Metal Jacket from the library because I got to watch Ooh, that for, yeah. up on some uh, Kubrick for Blank Check series from a couple years ago. Um, and then I would love to try to watch Audition. So if I'm not too dis- – it'll depend on how I'm feeling after When Evil Lurks. If I'm feeling yep. really disturbed – I think I will do something fun like our cynical lace. If I'm feeling like, yeah, give me more, give me more, give me another give shot. Me I, will, I will watch audition. Cause I think I'm going to try to double header tonight. Um, nice. and I am going to watch diabolique, I think for criterion for fifties for criterion, which I think there is a horror movie as well, but I uh, don't know. Yeah, it is. So yeah, I feel like I have a lot of watching to catch up on, uh, after being gone all weekend for my brother's yeah. wedding. Um, main thing I want to go to the theaters to check out is I think I mentioned it last week. Anatomy of a fall is, uh, at E street. Want to check that out. What is that? I just saw that. that, Uh, It's a a French film that is probably going to get nominated for a couple of Oscars, including Best Foreign Language Film. Oh, okay. Um, So, um, I don't want to tell you the premise. Oh, okay. Why don't you just tell me? Just tell me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Let's just say that it's someone trying to figure out how a person may have fallen. Oh, all right. That sounds the, interesting. The Anatomy of a Fall. Oh, another movie. I'd, speaking like of French films, of um, I did have A Man Escaped also on my list that I was going nice. to suggest in huh. about Prison Escape. But there was a, I don't feel like it was really – Night of the Hunter wasn't really about a prison escape. So. I don't um, really know. No. All right. All right. Anything else? Um, no. 
Nothing well, here. Good. Uh, congratulations on 200. That was fun. I'm glad we've done 200. Yeah, man. Oh, we didn't do a points check-in. We should do that before we sign off. Now that we're 200 in, we should give people a uh, a points total update uh, with only a few weeks left on the ladder. Now this is just uh, for this year? Yeah, just for this year, obviously. Okay. Uh, so the listeners are still leading with 19. Uh, Zach, you're in second with 13. I am actually now in third with 10. And guests have two. So there we go. Nice. Good job, guess. Good job, guess. Um, yep. Nice. All right. Well, I don't, I don't have anything else, but uh, from Pearl to Pearl, what do we want to say? Like uh, next week's title connection could be like uh, it's Pearl. Pearl to Pearl. Like uh, every oyster has its Pearl. I don't know. We'll figure it out. All right. Cool. All right. Well, we'll see everybody next week for Pearl. It is on Paramount Plus with Showtime, among other Excellent. places. See you then. See you next week. I do feel I, like I wondered if the name Pearl in that movie was a uh, reference to this because Pearl is not like a um, not a common name. Not especially really. In movies. No. Yeah. No. Uh, all right. Fran says, I love when the deal with the with a guy that it, I love when the deal with a guy is that he's the devil. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like <laughs> yeah. A pretty much. Yeah. Experience from Fran. Yeah, um, Lucy, Lucy comes up on this podcast a lot. I went to a mystery screening tonight, and when the opening credits started playing, I couldn't contain my excitement. This works on so many levels for so many reasons. Even the occasional hokiness adds a new layer to the sickly dark humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the cinematography and the unusual directing that kicks this up a notch. And as a result, it transcends this may be one of the best movies ever oh. made. Wow. Should have Lucy yeah, on this. Really this movie. Uh, Shane says, imagine making one movie and it's the best movie. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, this is like a pretty good batting average for one movie, and you just really... It's pretty good, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Wow, where can I get me a freak like Miss Cooper? That's pretty (laughs) good. There you go. Yeah. Uh, And uh, let's see. I had Adam Kempinar's up. A Southern Gothic masterpiece about the insidiousness of shame and a Mm -hmm. narrative uh, driven by a con man obsessed with money claiming moral authority who has issues with women. Not at all timely. Uh, that was, he wrote that review in November of 2016. There you go. So, um, yeah, I had something else I was just going to say, and I lost it. So, oh well. Um, yeah, I thought this was a great connection to uh, last week. Glad we did it. All right. Well, yep. see you next week for Pearl. Yep.